Welcome to episode two of the Inside Line podcast presented by Thor. I'm Michael Lindsay. I'll be this week's host. And our guest is Derek Dornstein. He is the chief technical officer and co-founder of Alta Motors. Born and raised in California into Speedway, flat track world, eventually into Supermoto. And that's about the time him and a friend set out on what is now Alta Motors. It started as a weekends and nights project to produce an electric dirt bike. And it grew probably to a little bit larger range than they thought and eventually became a company with uh, around 100 employees. During this, I think you'll learn what I found out in San Francisco at their HQ this last week, learning a lot about the development, the hows, the whys behind the bike, the struggles, and even more, the motivation of what originally set this in motion. And I think that motivation alone and the reasoning may change a few people's minds that are a little bit anti for electric dirt bikes, at least by the time you're done listening to this podcast. I would hope those type of people uh, have a different view and respect for what these guys are trying to do and maybe even uh, want to go out and see what the product's about and try one for yourself. Uh, before we really dive into it, I want to apologize ahead of time for the audio. We did this in very tight confines between two, like a board meeting and a technical meeting Derek had to rush to. So we've got a little bit of echo reverb off the voices because we're in kind of a tight, small room. Definitely not something to expect from this podcast going forward. And speaking of the podcast itself, we'd like to thank the people that have made this happen. As we mentioned at the top of the show, the Inside Line podcast is presented by Thor. Thor is celebrating 50 years of racing heritage. The first, the forever Thor Motocross. For more than 30 years, Chaparral Motorsports has been sharing its love of dirt bikes with like-minded individuals by offering a massive selection of the latest riding gear, new models, parts and accessories, and great pricing on tires. Visit shapmoto.com. So let's dive on into it so you can all learn what there is to know about Alta, the birth, and where this company is going. Derek, thanks for the time. I know you're fairly busy. We're up here actually for one of your guys' intros. We just spent the last two days riding the Redshift EXR, your guys' basically dual sport model, and we're getting to look around. And I got to admit, I was kind of surprised. I guess, you know, a couple years back, looking at what the brand is, I, I think people can get a little bit of a misconception of what you guys are here all to work here in the San Francisco Bay Area. It's electric bike. People might think it's a bunch of nerds that may not know much about dirt bikes and they're just building something electric and green but I mean until you come here and really grasp your head around it, it's a bunch of even though you guys are on electric bikes it's a bunch of fuel burning moto heads that really do love what doing it it was cool to be around here but you know kind of backtracking from that we'll get to this building and what we're all in starting with how you got involved with moto because it's basically you and two dudes that started this where was your passion grown for I pretty much know you were a speedway guy. Yeah, no, I uh, I got I got put on a bike at four. It was it's it's the family activity, right? All my folks, their friends are it's all motorcycles, motorcycles. All family vacations were motorcycles, and uh, and you know they didn't actually want me to race as a kid. I had to get a job and buy my own race bike, and and once I did that, they were um, they were all for it, and so. Um, I uh, I got my pro license at 16 and and hit hit the the speedway trail around uh, mostly around California. Um, did that for five years and you know had a lot of fun doing it. Um, and you know I, I did some some off road things here and there. Um, raced a little motocross here and there and and you know just you know basically love motorcycles. I've I've owned somewhere around 50 motorcycles in my life. Um, and, and, you know, old ones, new ones, fast ones, fewer slow ones, but, you know, mostly focused on performance things and race bikes and racing, um, came into uh, supermoto racing in my, uh, in my thirties, um, you know, got pretty obsessed with that. Um, and, and, you know, I got obsessed with both riding and, and bike development and developed uh, KTM 450 up to a pretty high level. I finished, uh, top uh, pro-am ktm in the nation in 2005 um had a, had a lot of fun doing that and and that and that led to 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 you know the idea of building an electric bike so that's what i think is interesting is um being of course from the moto style industry i see it the motocross bike but really when you look at the first bike you guys introduced before it was alto and brd it was really based off your your love and your excitement in racing with supermoto yeah. and that's really what drove the development so kind of stopping before we even get to that point is where does your background come from to you know anybody of course at some point or another sitting in the garage with some buddies like 
Oh, I, I can make one. I can make a motorcycle, but where'd the know-how for you come from to basically actually be able to develop something? Yeah, I, um, um, I've had a, 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 an interesting um, career uh, as, a, as a product developer. Um, I, I studied industrial design um, at uh, San Francisco State University, um, but, but didn't take the, the traditional path, which would have been to go to a design office and, and work as a, as a uh, designer at a, at, you know, a corporation or a, or a design house. I, I've, I've always been somewhat entrepreneurial, and, uh, and so I, I basically opened a machine shop and, um, and, and was designing and building um, uh, things for uh, all manner of companies and industries, um, a bunch of high-tech Silicon Valley stuff, some motorcycle stuff, and um, uh, you know, and then a bunch of design product-related things, and and you know that that grew to a to a small company, twelve employees, um, six CNC machine tools, and you know, doing doing some interesting work, and you know, really heavily into the um, uh, the development, uh, prototyping, and building you know process. So, at what point did it? Did it hit you? Like, I think I remember your comment the supermoto really had to do with you building up your race bike and still not being happy with like the power characteristics or something. Yeah, what, what point did it hit you? Like electric? Yeah, we. The, I mean, there 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 is a there is a story about um, you know me working with with my with my good buddy who is actually um, now an Alta employee, Dale Lineweaver, who's a um, pretty famous uh, engine tuner within. Um, uh, flat track community. It's also done a bunch of off-road stuff, um, and uh, we developed this KTM 450. Increased its power by I don't know, 15, 20 percent. Um, you know, did a bunch of chassis work. I mean, you know, got the bike, you know, really at a at a top top level. Um, but you know, it, it also you you extract more horsepower out of a four-stroke or really any internal combustion engine. You typically narrow the power band because you're, you're pushing, pushing the higher RPMs to make more power. Um, that's exactly what happened with this bike. And it, and it, and it really took some fun out of riding it, right? It became a little harder to ride, a little, little more sensitive to being, you know, in the exact right RPM range. Um, and, you know, and, and that was this sort of epiphany moment, um, because simultaneously to doing that, I've been reading, um, uh, what at the, at that time was called the Tesla blog, and the founder of Tesla, this guy Martin Eberhard, was was basically, you know, they hadn't really built anything yet, but he was he was he was writing this blog and talking about, you know, the time for electric vehicles is 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 now and and from now into the future because lithium ion battery technology had arrived, you know, and I was getting on board with all that and thinking about it and thinking about motorcycles that would be electric in the future, and and then you know, the 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 epiphany moment was. Gee, if my motorcycle was electric um, and I didn't like the way it made power, I could hit uh, undo, right? I could change the software and I could I could refine it, and and that that really represented this sort of magic property, this you know the superpower that electric would have that you could you could just you know tune it really with impunity, right? There's no consequences. It's easy. Do you have have enough test hours can you just you know go out there and make all those refinements at the track and and that got me really excited about it and and it and it and it also got me really excited about making a, an electric race bike as opposed to you know uh, a scooter for for mass market transportation and so jeff the my my one of the three co-founders jeff and i we have a long relationship doing product development stuff together jeff's got a really cool background um, invented the modern skateboard truck, which became independent. Did snowboard binding, which was switch snowboard bindings purchased by Vans. Um, you know, action sports kind of hero, product developer, designer. And we we just said, hey, let's um, let's just kind of you know design something. You know, we we didn't we didn't we didn't commit to founding a company and, and becoming motorcycle manufacturers, but we. We committed to like let's play around with it, and we and this turned into a night nights and weekends project for us that that consumed a lot of time because we were so excited about it. Now the actual getting started is it one of those things that it was long conversations like you guys picking each other's brain. It finally became that, or is it kind of one of those armchairs sitting in the garage one night, just like ah, 
we can do this. We can do this. <laughs> oh, I, I, we weren't that arrogant about it. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty serious product developers. So, you know, we, we immediately broke it down and we broke it down into, you know, what, what this needed to be um, successful. And, and, you know, and the, and the first thing you, you really do is you define what, what is success, right? And what is, what is your targets? You know, and for us, from, from, from the original thought bubble, the target was not to build an electric motorcycle, but to build a better motorcycle, right? And so we'd only do this if electric could deliver, you know, better performance than the gas bike. I mean, that, that was the criteria. And so, you know, we should have just sort of washed out and failed, right? Because, because really no technologist at the time uh, thought it would really be possible to do that. But, uh, you know, we, we, we instead sharpened our pencils and, and really, you know, focused on um, what, what was missing to make that possible. And it turns out that everything was missing. We couldn't, we couldn't really buy any of the parts of this to make it work. We, we started out by buying, a, uh, at the time, an old uh, CR125 and taking it apart and, and modeling up the chassis and figuring out if we're going to put a drivetrain in that. We thought we could just buy some parts, some motors and batteries, and just put it together in an inverter. Uh, turns out that you know all of the commercially available things, they're really designed to be universal, so they could they could fit lots of different applications. So that you know they, there's some big markets for these aftermarket you know motors and inverters and whatnot, and which means they're completely not optimized for um, you know something like a motocross bike and. Uh, and they're not really pushed very hard because they're not necessarily the most innovative designs. And so we, you know, we figured out quickly that we had to, um, you know, not only design our own battery pack um, and our own battery technology, but we had to design our own motor. Uh, and and we had to uh, eventually we discovered we had to design our own inverter. And and that's really the the the, the whole vertical stack of a of a EV drivetrain. And you know. To put this in perspective, I think that um, uh, GM spent several billion dollars developing the the EV drivetrain, the Bolt, right? So these are these are large, uh, typically very large uh, industrial endeavors to do these kinds of things. What did, from the most basic standpoint, like you said, originally starting with like the CR125, did you guys ever? Just to see how things react, did you guys ever build like a running thing that just basically looked like batteries shoved in a dirt bike frame, or did you guys get just into piece of gear and you're like, oh, no, we got to move on? No, I mean we, we we got we got that chassis into CAD, right? So we we um, we scanned it, we modeled it, um, we we did some sort of mock-ups within that frame with some chunks of foam and whatnot, and we we quickly decided um, that. In order to fit really the battery capacity that, that um, my simulations estimated that we needed to, to run a motocross race, we needed a lot more battery than would fit into a chassis built that way. That we needed a different chassis configuration. And so that got us going down this path of, um, of, of really building, building the whole thing from scratch for ourselves. And, um, you know, and it, it's, it was an interesting moment in, in this um, because... You know, the, the project went from, oh, this will be a fun, like, nights and weekends project to, um, oh, oh, wow, we're, you know, we're developing all of, or we're potentially going to develop all this technology and, you know, huge investments uh, and, and, you know, and with an unknown timeline. <laughs> and, and so, you know, right around then, we also uh, threw together um, a really rough draft of a business uh, plan around a, around this uh, and started thinking about what it would take to actually do this as a business because um, we we figured out we could that you know it was the simulations were pointing to it being possible technologically and so so the next hurdle was was it possible financially and so we, we threw together a business plan and we decided we needed um, to, to have a, a third founder who was, who was responsible for the business side, fundraising, you know, building all the, the, the sort of company infrastructure. So we attracted Mark Finningstein, the third co-founder, and uh, he, he, um, you know, he came on initially very, um, he was very skeptical of what we were claiming, looked at all the simulations in the CAD, got really excited about it. He started doing this nights and weekends too, and after, after another 
uh, eight or nine months of nights and weekends with him. He put together a much more detailed business plan. Our, our, our mechanical design, our electrical design was coming together. Um, we, we founded Alta in 2010, really um, then attracted uh, initial seed investments, uh, added a couple more team members, and really went down this path of uh, developing the bike. I was literally, you almost answered my question this back, I was thinking as you were talking about is, man, when you go from garage build to, oh, we have to make everything, it's like, why are we doing this unless it, it's got to at some point pay off or be a business, you're, you're putting all this time and effort yeah. into it. Well, I mean, that, that, that part of it, it was, is, is just built into, into really all three founders' uh, mindsets, right? It, I mean, we're all very entrepreneurial and very... Um, very interested in, you know, these inflection points in society, right? I mean, you know, electrification of the, the transportation fleet is a, is a, you know, is a, is a momentous thing. It's, it's, it's going to have, you know, repercussions through, um, through all manner of industries and the ways that we do things. And, you know, we wanted to be part of it, right? This is like, you know, one of the biggest things that's, that's really happened in the, you know, in the late 20th century and now the, the 21st century, you know, we, we definitely want to be part of it and, and play a, play a role in it. I think that's what another part I look at that is, um, the whole electric movement. You've got a lot of people that view, you know, electric cars, electric train, everything is, you know, a push for green for, for, you know, people are just trying to clean up the environment per se. And, you know, they might get that wrong misconception is like you said earlier, you guys are doing this to build, what you view as a, a better dirt bike, not a, not a replacement in the sense, of, oh, we've got we got to be greener. I mean, even to the point when we ride them right now at some of your intros, you know, we use a gas generator to charge them when we need Absolutely. to. It's not it's not an issue of, of that sense for you guys. You guys are really looking at the advantages of what an electric bike can offer to the riding. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, first and foremost, um, you know, Alta is a performance motorcycle company that builds electric bikes because we think it's the best way to build a performance electric motorcycle. Um, so, you know, we, we are sort of aware of, of, the, of, the, of the macroeconomic and macro climate things going on and, you know, and, and, and somewhat concerned about them. So um, we, we think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's good business to be, to be building electric because there's going to be more electrics and there's going to be more regulations put on internal combustion engines. It's going to be harder and harder to extract performance out of internal combustion engines as those regulations kind of, you know, turn the screws on that technology and electric will, will have more and more advantages over time. Now, during the development time, I know we hear from, speaking of Tesla, other large manufacturers with some kind of electric product, you, you hear how quickly the motor and the battery technology is going forward, even in the short time span for you, the couple of years you guys were developing, was there, like you said, you do these simulations, okay, we need this much, you know, battery pack power, everything to make it work. Were there, were you surprised still by the gains you were seeing in that industry as you were chasing the product and trying to develop it? Yeah, the, the, um, you know, there's a lot of the technology is, is moving pretty rapidly. Um, you know, both our understanding of, you know, what specific applications need and, and the, the actual, you know, things like battery capacity and, and motor power or torque density are, are improving and increasing. Um, you know, we, we're, we're trying hard to stay at the, at the forefront of that. We have a whole R&D effort here that is, you know, constantly evaluating all new technologies that can, that can roll into those products. And, and we are rolling them into products, right? The, 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 the 2018 MXR, the 2019 EXR are, are examples of, uh, of us um, rolling a, a brand new um, uh, cell technology into our battery packs that, it, that allowed for d the doubling of the sustained power of the bike or the continuous power of the bike um, and a much more consistent um, user experience through the entire state of charge, right? So, you know, that, that tech came and made our bikes better and we incorporated it. So, yes. I guess from my point of view, it's it's when I think back at the, you know, the 100, 120 years or so, like of an internal combustion engine, its existence, its development, and you think of a, a battery and just a motor as a, as a part itself being around for a similar span of time, it's still so surprising to me to think that, like I said, with internal combustion engines, there's this certain bit of between, you know, 
I guess, topping out of technology in a way, less gains, where even though the battery has been around for a similar amount of time, motor, there's still, like I say, you're making these massive gains with that technology. Do you think that's just how unlimited the possibilities are or just because the focus is so much heavier on it? it it's absolutely related to, to the latter, which is, you know, right now, huge investments going into research and development of battery technology and the commercialization of that. And, and that's driven by, by demand. Um, you know, all, I mean, every, every major uh, automobile company on the planet has announced uh, electrification programs. Um, companies like Volvo are discontinuing internal combustion engine production. Companies or countries like uh, the Netherlands are, are going to ban the sale of internal combustion engines as soon as 2025. So uh, things, things are, are moving in that direction, and and the and the markets are responding by, uh, in, you know, investing in, in in battery technology and EV drivetrain technology, uh, and and really Alta is an example of that, right? Alta is a company that's been supported by investors, and those investors are investing in you know, um, that this business being much bigger in the future because of these changes. Now, tur- turning the, the page a little bit there, because I know people have just listened to us go on about the death of combustion. They're probably, some people are having their, their minor freakouts a little bit. Yeah, go, well, going on to how I view you guys as a company. Like I said, first, I, I pull in your headquarters just right, yeah. and out back, it's not a bunch of electric cars and a bunch of electric bikes, a, a ton of gas bikes. Uh, listen, you guys, you know, you want to go racing against them. You want to be alongside them. You guys most guys like you said on the staff have one as well. It's not a, oh, yeah. it, it's not the like I said with the car world where it's the oh everything has to switch. You guys are trying to be alongside that, complement it, and and give that exper- a different experience. That's right. Um, I mean, we're not anti, right? We're we're we're. I mean, uh, you know, I think of of every single motorcyclist in this company, um, which it's you know somewhere around ninety percent. Um, nobody. Uh, is only electric, right? It's like every one of those people, if they have an electric bike, an Alta, they also still have gas bikes. I, I still have a bunch of gas bikes, and I love them, right? They're 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 wonderful. But um, you know, electric is bringing something to the table that's pretty amazing. Uh, and uh, you know, I'm you know, I spend I spend all my time thinking about how to make electric bikes better, and not so much how to make my gas bikes better. Uh, so as you guys actually went forward with bringing this as a plan, like I, said, I think the first version I saw was back before you guys were even Alta when it was with BRD, the first product you showed off, which was a very supermoto-based bike. Um, that bike to what became the first Alta was is I, I think just from a quick glance, people may not notice it, but seeing the one you guys to show us the other day, it's like you you guys kind of went back to the drawing board. It looks like a yeah, we're bit. we're somewhat fanatical about doing things well. And um, that, you know, that, that very first prototype that we showed to the world back in uh, 2012 um, was uh, conceptually, um, you know, all there, right? In concept, it's put together very similar to the bike that we eventually brought to market. And it actually didn't perform poorly. It was actually pretty good. Um, but, um, but literally every single part had a lot of opportunity to be better. And so uh, when it came time to... To think about commercializing that, you know, the, the concepts that were in that first prototype, which was, you know, very much a handmade, you know, lots of, you know, 3D printed parts and CNC machine parts. I mean, not a, not, not a production ready um, prototype by any means. We, we really went back to the drawing board and, and took everything that we learned within building that prototype and testing and running that prototype and, and refined every single part, you know, literally two or three more times before that came into, into production. And it was a, a daunting, humongous effort, right? That, that first prototype was literally built by four people in six months. Um, the, uh, the, the next prototype that we actually operated uh, took us um, another uh, two years, and the team, by the time we ran it, was in the 20s. Um, and it was and that was just to get a running prototype. Bringing that into production required the team to then triple to, to bring that bike into production to the very first production, and then to get up to the production numbers we have now, the team doubled again. And so, you know, it's a it's a it 
it, it ends up being a, an army of people to, to do this um, at the at the quality and level that we're trying to do it. And and going back to your first question is, yeah, we 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 went back to the drawing board and made everything uh, way better. Lost mass, increased power, increased range, bigger battery. Um, went back to the drawing board and battery technology incorporated a, a completely new. Um, battery strategy focused on the, the small cylindrical cells known as 18650s, actually a very similar setup strategy to the one Tesla has taken. Um, and, you know, and that, that put us at the bleeding edge of, uh, of battery pack design. Uh, that pack that we have in production now is arguably the most energy dense, um, at least in specific energy, the most, uh, you know, range or, or uh, per pound or kilogram of any pack and transportation, right? Cars, bikes, anything. So it's a uh, pretty high tech, big investment for us to get there. Hey all, we're just taking a quick break here from the chat to kind of thank once again the people that made this happen. As we mentioned at the top of the show, the Inside Line podcast is presented by Thor. Thor is celebrating 50 years of racing heritage, the first, the forever Thor motocross. And also from tubes and tires to MX jerseys, gear bags, hard parts, and huge selection of dirt bikes, Shopra Motorsports has everything you need to keep you roosting the track or the trail. Check out shopmoto.com. I hope you're all enjoying learning a lot more about a dirt bike you may not think you'd ever see in your lifetime. We're going to jump right back into the conversation with Derek Dorsey. For people that maybe don't know exactly how electric power responds, one of the biggest advantages is 100% torque instantaneously. So when I think of that, I think of either the tire's going to spin ridiculous or you're going to loop out in place. So, of course, the bike we ride now has uh, these algorithms and these control units that make the bike rideable and manage it and make it usable for the, the end user. But what was it like the first time you guys put together or running it? <laughs> who, who got tasked with sitting on it and twisting the throttle the first time? And <laughs> That would be me. Um, and... Uh... Um, you know, um, you know things 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 required a lot of refinement. Uh, you know, the, the the first the very first things we ran, you know, were were pretty pretty scary. There there were some um, uh, incidents in 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 the history of Alta that, that someday we'll talk about. <laughs> but uh, you know, it was uh, you know you, you don't know what you don't know, right? So you 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 know, it, it's a lot like you just described. Um, things were. Um, you know, too abrupt. The the, the controls were, um, you know, not not refined. Uh, loss of traction um, scenarios were 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 really abrupt and and, um, and kind of scary. And you know, that just gave us a, a new opportunity, right? Like, uh, you know, to date, as far as we know, most most anyone else who worked on development of electric vehicles were, were working on road going stuff. And so our application was for. Uh, an off-road race bike, and and um, you know, tire spin is um, you know is 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 nearly not uh, you know. It, there's there's no scenario where it's not present, right? It's your your tire is almost always spinning when you're when you're on an off-road scenario. We we you know we got we got those the first prototypes going, and and we immediately were were challenged by. Um, uh, the need to refine algorithms and, and make the bike intuitive, make uh, the power accessible, make wheel spin predictable, um, you know, really make the, the bike behave, you know, not so much like your gas bike, but in a way that, um, that, that riders could be in tune with and was intuitive and, and, and sort of made sense and, and, and was predictable and, you know, made them go fast. We spent a lot of time at racetracks doing doing testing, looking at data, getting rider feedback, making changes, and doing it again. And you know, and and you know that that effort, that iterative work, um, resulted in in you know in something that you know we're we're extremely proud of. We think that the way that the bike delivers power, be it the motocross bike or the or the, the, the off the off road bike, the XR, is is really in a class by itself. It's it's really something different and very very special see to me personally the the way the bike produces power to me honestly uh, of everything you guys have developed is the most impressive part because i look at battery pack okay there, there's smart people that can make a battery pack happen there's engineers that can make a good chassis power and feel is such an interesting amount of effort that would have to be put into because I, I go back to people are always bringing up uh, traction control systems and they're always like 
oh, you know, these teams have this, and the bikes are, it's like, okay, I've had the weird opportunity to try a wheel-based sensor unit on a dirt bike. It doesn't, I don't think people understand how key, yes, wheel spin, you want traction, but at the same time, a dirt bike, how key wheel spin is to making it maneuver how we're used to. The, oh, yeah. the tires are almost never traveling the same speed, but, so you guys couldn't just go the easy route of, like, the wheel spin, like, oh, you can just use basic traction control systems that are seen more on road-going units. That would be overkill. It would make the bike not unride. It would be rideable, but it would be so different than anything we're used to. It, it wouldn't have the you wouldn't have that experience. So you guys were trying to find a, a medium level on dirt through a control unit that was, I, I want to say, pretty unique and not really have done before. Um, you yeah, know, there's there's constant internal debate on um, you know how much intervention the the machine should have and and what's going on, and you know we keep coming back to. Um, uh, you know, intuitiveness and, and you know, and, and, and empowering the, uh, the writer to feel like they, they have the best tool to get around the obstacle, the course, the hill, the, the whatever it is that they're doing. And um, um, we, we do in, incorporate some, some traction control uh, algorithms. It's an open loop traction control, so we don't use uh, a front wheel speed sensor. It's, it's really based on the responsiveness of the rear wheel and how uh, quickly it will accelerate um, from from various speeds and throttle openings and um, you know and it and it's a lot of iterative work it's a lot of theory um, you know what do we actually think happens and we and we kind of model out the theories and then we go out and test and see if it's working the way we think it does it doesn't always work the way we think it does um, and you know, I, I would say that we probably know as much or more about that, especially um, for two wheelers, than, than anybody in the world right now. That's why I think too is it, it the wheel speed thing. It comes down as one of the things that I'm sure, from a, a data standpoint, somebody can go back and read back the the uh, any of the sensor feedback. Just looking at a chart of wheel spin and everything, and try to develop something that on paper you think that's good. You could hand it to the test rider, they'd probably ride one lap and they could come back and it could either be good or they could be like, this is much worse than what I rode before. So <laughs> there's that balance of somebody that's smart enough to look at all the data and being able to build it into something they think is better, but also understand what a rider is looking for and taking that feedback and kind of mixing that. Huh? Yeah, I mean, here, you know, it, it, it starts with, with really us being focused on this problem as is really important, right? And for us you know, making a bike that works really well is, it's, it's the, it's what we all show up to work to do, right? And so, um, so we have the, the resources and the, um, and the priority to do that. And, and, you know, and, and the theory is really uh, an aid to do it better and faster. The empirical data, the feedback from the track, um, be a, a lap time or the rider, um, uh, uh, subjective response is is what it's all about. That's the key part, right? And so, um, spending time in the track and testing is is the foundation of of, of that work. Now, funny one I've been curious about. I, I always think of when somebody goes, you know, this kind of a project. Is there any point that stands out to you either in the the early development before you had a running prototype or during the running prototype where you hit? either a stat or something where you guys are like what are is this ever going to work is is there anything stand out to you that's just like why are we standing here doing this um i mean there's certainly in the in the in the you know the arc of alta's um uh emergence and and to to the to its current state um there's been you know really formidable challenges right and they're they're but they're mostly around um, manufacturing, um, they're around finances, fundraising, right? Having enough money to do what we want to do. They're around hiring, getting the right people in the building at any one time. The, the technical challenges um, around uh, designing the bike, building the bike, deploying the bike, um, you know, we've, 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 we've had them, we have them, we, we, we face them continuously and we push ourselves to, to try to be at the at the cutting edge always um but we've we've managed to to break those down and overcome them and and it's it's because we've we've done really well at bringing together um you know a really really top-notch team we we have some 
some really talented people here that come from a whole range of, of backgrounds. A lot of, a lot of people with EV experience. Um, I think the last time I heard were about 25% ex-Tesla employees at Alta. Um, so, you know, uh, Tesla has been uh, the the EV university for, for a lot of Alta uh, employees. And um, well, we've pulled people in from motorcycle business, um, um, you know, uh, some of the big European companies are represented by employees here, or they were former employees of the big European motorcycle companies, um, and then also a bunch of automotive people, right? So th this this talent is what allows us to get through these these problems. So the the fundraising thing always makes more because I've I've read either books or stories about certain people in their startup stage where. They've been at stages where the product is so good, the people behind it are so passionate. There are so many things that should make it successful, but purely the financing of fundraising can be a problem. Did you guys ever hit a snag where you were saying, like, we might not, like, we might have to close this down? Or were you guys pretty lucky in that sense that it was always flowing pretty decent for you? Or Oh, no, we've, we've hit that, that point several times, and it's, um, um, you know... It's 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 hard, right? We're we're um, um, you know we're we're doing really ambitious things that have um, have a, a lot of risk associated with them. Um, we're doing them pretty successfully right now, so that that sure helps a lot. <laughs> but um, uh, there there's been times you know where where you know we we had to promise things that, you know, we hadn't proven yet, right? We, we had to show pictures of designs and, um, you know, test results on a really small scale and, and um, you know, and bring investors into that dream and vision and have them look out ahead and, and believe that we could get there to get there to the next stage. Uh, we've been really fortunate to have a groups of investors that have, you know, stuck with us and, and, and um, um, you know, made those investments uh, at those critical moments along the way, um, and uh, you know, it, it's 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 paying off. Now, you yourself getting to ride the bike, is there a, a certain? Was it the first time? Was there a certain point in development? The first time I remember riding the bike and being like, "Man, we are really on the right track." It's something that you had kind of like. I think you guys always try to say when we write, you had that joy, that experience. It's different, but the same, like there's the same, but the difference, like, did you have a, a certain moment that stands out like that or? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the, um, you know, the funny thing is, um, in, you know, in that, you know, three, two and a half, three year period, in that two and a half, three year period, when we were developing the bike and talking about what it was going to be like, right. We, we, we had a lot of ideas about what we thought it would be like. Um, and, um, you know, when it finally came time that we had a working prototype that we were, we had out in the dirt, you know, on a motocross track, um, you know, it was, it was this realization that, um, you know, many, many of those things were, were spot on, right? That like that connectedness of the throttle response of the throttle, um, was, Possible, and even in the in the rough stage of the early prototypes, you could see it. You could see that um, this is something new and different, and and the lack of shifting and clutching would give you the ability to focus on your line more and your speed and your approach to a jump and carrying speed through a corner and you know passing and all that stuff. It it, it was like getting more brain power because you didn't have to put brain power on these other things. And, and those things, um, you know, were apparent right from the beginning. And, um, um, you know, I, I guess, I guess we had, we had just obsessed on it enough to, to predict some of those things that came true. So as you guys got deeper into it, you get closer to the production stage, getting your, comp you know, your suppliers, your components, uh, one thing's interesting, of course, because the bike is so different, your your frame, the whole engine pack design, there's so much that had to be unique about your bike that 100%, there's nothing on the market that was close to what you required. But then you get down to some of the finishing bits, your strip clamps, your suspension components, wheels, foot pegs, th things like that. I look at 
some of the other manufacturers out there. And at times it surprises me, even amongst their own model range, how little they'll sh- they make a certain car for a certain bike. And it's like everybody has to have their own hubs. Everybody has to have their own sprocket offset, their own thing, rotor offset, all stuff. Now, I, I, I won't try to answer this because I can't, I'm not going to exactly know parts, but I look at like, you know, the WP supplier deal, Brembo, certain things that are a lot of, I look at a lot of KTM um, parts that come to it. How much of that did you guys look at and like, oh, did you guys early on realize, no, we, we should simplify this and use what's proven and it's available that we can? Or how much of it, like, so there was a cross up between tried to maybe develop some of your own stuff and decide to go back? Or? I mean, it's purely um, uh, prioritization, right? So, so um, you know, we, we knew we wanted to um, build a, a premium bike, right? A bike with, um, you know, that, that, you know, probably would be at the at the high end of anything out there, if not more expensive, um, just because of the the cost of EV drivetrain technology, especially EV battery, um, and and that you know a, an expensive bike needs to have the best components. So so we went out and sought the best components. Um, ended up in Europe for that stuff. Um, you know, really happy with the relationship with with both WP and Brimbo. They're making great stuff. And to your point, did we feel like we needed to redesign those things? Um, you know, undoubtedly, there, there's opportunity in every nut and bolt on a motorcycle to refine it better, right? On our motorcycle, on our competitors' motorcycles. But we, we tried to focus on the biggest opportunities or the most important opportunities. And, and for us, initially, it's all EV drivetrain, right? That's, that's the critical stuff. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we did a really careful analysis of uh, competitor chassis so that we could understand the performance of a chassis and what the state of the art was for uh, chassis handling. Um, but, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, designing better uh, foot pegs and, and wheels and optimizing the wheel spacing and stuff wasn't nearly as important as making our motor make more horsepower or, or our battery go further. And so, you know, that's, that's what we focused on. And we used, um, you know, the guidance or in, and in some cases the exact numbers from some of our competitors. Now I look at the, the bikes themselves as with an internal combustion engine bike, how many parts, especially if you take a four-stroke, how many parts are in the engine moving? So how many suppliers have to be involved? How much those parts are going to cost to make? And no matter the numbers, there's just a lot of things that need to be ordered to produce that bike. Not to say that you open a battery pack and it's simple inside, but when I think of your guys' design and the components in it, I feel like there's, you know, in a sense, there's less going on in, in a sense of how many parts are needed to make it operational. So as we roll further into the future, as battery pack technology, as, you know, your high-end models have always the leading edge, but as some stuff backs down, I mean, guess what I'm getting at is, do you think the bikes will end up coming down a decent amount of price because of the simplicity and the not having to have so many suppliers for so many little individual components? Or? Um, that's certainly possible. Um, um, for sure, the bikes will continue to be um, more and more cost competitive with with their um, gas powered brethren. Um, you know, we're we're going to constantly push to um, you know increase power, increase range. You know, add battery capacity, and so there's kind of a, a push and pull between you know those things, right? You you add more battery, you're not making the battery cost less; you're making it cost more. Um, um, but you know, the, the, as as the world electrifies and this this technology becomes more common, you know these these costs likely do go down, and and you can you can imagine um, a future state where where you know the the, the bikes um, potentially are less. Um, certainly now we, we have a pretty strong case that uh, the total cost of ownership of the bike that we build now is less than a gas bike. Because you don't have to rebuild the motor after 50, 7,500 hours. You don't have to uh, clean air cleaners, change engine oil, you know, change clutch plates, any of that kind of stuff. You know, the bike, the bike literally um, uh, is, is uh, a sealed system from the factory. You don't have to touch the engine oil in its lifetime. Um, it's a 1,000-hour it's a um, design life. Um, you don't have to touch any, any of the battery. You just got to focus on things like chains and tires and... You know, eventually, depending on how heavy-handed you are with pressure washer, maybe things like wheel bearings and 
things like that. But it's uh, the drive system is is sealed and zero maintenance. Now the reason this comment comes up is. I guess the easiest way to point it out, it, it pops into my mind because of we were touring through here, and I, and I was I didn't know what to expect. We get off the bus here, and I was trying to decide, okay, am I going to show up? And there's going to be a small room with some designers and a couple dudes answering phones. And there's nothing else here. Is this an office? But show up, and the first thing I see around back is a bunch of shipping containers and trucks. And I'm thinking, okay, something's stuff is being built around here. You walk in, I think you guys have just right now under, as the day we're recording this, just under 100 employees or so. Um, of course, there's all these front offices, you got people doing design work, answering phone calls, um, marketing, range appeal. You got back and there's actually an assembly line and we wandered through and I took a photo of a frame and a box behind it and behind it, somewhere on a box, not even related to frame, just one of the boxes in the background says, made in China. So somebody decided to be an absolute smart aleck on social media because that's what, yeah. You know, it's Instagram. never ceases to amaze me what people can come up with. But, of course, they, they make that call out. Oh, made in China. I think we talked about this. I think around 45% or so of the components on the bike are made here in the USA. You have European suppliers, maybe part two of China. But that's still a lot of – the bike is being assembled here. There's a lot of parts purchased here. And no matter how anybody shakes it, it doesn't matter what bike you're buying – there's going to be one or two. I mean, you, you have to deal with suppliers all over the world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we live in a in a world where um, you know the, the the economy is global. The the expertise around manufacturing things is is global. Um, you know, it'd be awesome if we could buy every component for the bike. Uh, you know, within ten miles of here. And it was all at the price we needed and the quality we needed. You know, that just make everything a lot simpler and. Uh, but the truth is, um, that's that's not how things work anymore. And um, uh, you know, we're 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 pretty proud that we have forty five percent of the bomb coming from the U S. Um, you know, we have a, the next big chunk comes from Europe um, with our suppliers like WP and Brembo and Cherubis. Um And then and then we've got a big chunk coming from Japan. Um, we've got a chunk coming from Taiwan. Um, I can't actually think of any parts that we're buying from China, um, to be honest. Um, but uh, might have just been the cardboard box. Yeah, but no, but I, I, I bet there are a few, right? Yeah. Um, just just because of the nature of you know yeah. how things work these days. I mean, our our focus um, is really on where's the best supplier can deliver you know on the, at the quality we need um, and is is the best in their field, right? And so you know that's that's taken us um, you know in some cases away from the U.S. Um, you know into Europe and Japan and Taiwan. Now, I mentioned that product line, your guys' disc, you're kind of on this little second floor, I think I want to call it, I mean, where we're right above where we're sitting and talking right now, and from where you guys sit, you can actually look out on it, I mean, to say the word either proud or is it just nice to look out there and know it's being made below you and on some factory out somewhere and you get to kind of watch the creation every day, get to go around from start to finish? Well, certainly, um, certainly there's some pride in and, and what goes on under this roof and what, what has been built from nothing. Um, but, you know, we're, we're doing the manufacturing here um, because we, we want to touch that final product and make sure that it all goes together perfectly well. And, you know, I can't imagine um, not doing that, right? It's so important for us to, to, uh, to have our hands and our mark on what we build. And, you know, in addition to putting bikes together, we build all the, all the EV drivetrain stuff, right? So we build battery packs, we build inverters, um, we build all the electronics. And, um, you know, this, this stuff is, you know, not only, you know, critical to, to the advantage that Ulta has in, in, in EVs, um, you know, it's, it's the most sensitive, difficult to make, complicated um, um, components on the motorcycle and, 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 and us... Um, uh, controlling the quality and the manufacturing processes and, and, uh, and building that stuff, you know, here is, is, is fundamental to, uh, to, you know, our belief in, uh, in how to deliver a, you know, a top, top-notch motorcycle to the market. So our first day hanging out with you guys, we ended up taking a ride uh, down through the town of San Francisco, down through downtown, and we ended up at this really cool co-op garage that one of the co-founders actually runs. Uh, and when we were there, we ended up running into two of the Harley-Davidson employees that are in town. They're 
you know, working with you guys, Harley made an investment into the company, and as part of it, they've actually asked you guys to make two motorcycles for them, which I think is pretty interesting. No matter what anybody's opinion and view of Harley is, currently, they are a company that's been around for a long time producing motorcycles, and instead of going this route themselves, they've clearly said, you know, this is the, the better option for us is to work with you guys. Are you surprised at all at, about that association that ended up happening in that entire deal? <clears throat> yeah, um, we, we are a little surprised. Um, you know, Harley um, is, is, is sort of makes very different products than the kind of products that we make. Um, but they, they do see um, electrification of uh, some percentage of the motorcycle business um, is something that's that's happening, and it's happening on a relatively soon uh, timescale. Um, and when they looked around, um, they found um, our, our motorcycle, and they, they actually bought one, and they tested it, and they were really impressed. Um, they got a hold of us, um, and that led to them making a, uh, a small investment, or, or maybe not a small, they an investment in Alta, um, Without any control, the company, but just uh, as a as a fellow shareholder in Alta, um, and then and then that further led to um, an agreement for us to co-develop two products together, products that um, you know Alta would um, bring to market as well as Harley. Um, we're in that process. It's a great way for Alta to to share in the in the you know huge development expenses it takes to develop new products uh, with with somebody. Um, and, um, and, and so far the relationship is, uh, going really, really well. They're, they're really great people to work with. They're, they're really, um, forward thinking. They're really capable. They know a whole lot about developing motorcycles. Um, and you know, they're, they're probably learning a few things about, uh, EV drivetrains from us. And, and we're, we're certainly learning a few things about, um, uh, street motorcycles from them. So going back to where this all started, the first thing, of course, we spoke about, was the reason you develop a bike, the, the whole supermoto thing, when you had your race bike and you weren't happy with it. Now, with everything all said to where we are today, riding the supermoto model, is it everything you envisioned? Uh, are you are you to where you wanted, not not to say that you guys aren't going to continue developing, but did, did you meet your own goal yet? Um, We've exceeded it. Um, the, the, bike, uh, the bike works really well. Um, I haven't actually gone out and done a supermoto race on one of our bikes. That's uh, it's certainly on the list of things to do uh, in the in the future. Um, but uh, I have no doubt that that I would be um, actually faster on this bike than I would have been on my on my previous KTM. So mission mission accomplished. Awesome. Well, you got a busy schedule. I know I've already uh, delayed one year being so I'll let you go. Thank you so much for your time and. Uh, pretty much uh, giving us your time of day as, as busy as everything seems to be running around here. Thank you, Michael. It's always a pleasure to talk with you and, and love the work that you're doing. Uh, Vital is, uh, is, is a crucial uh, uh, component of, of, the, of the motorcycle culture and uh, really appreciate it. So thank you. We've got a ton of dudes on the forum that love the bike. I literally see race reports like every weekend from dudes riding them. So you're definitely making an impact. Yeah, I, I, I read them and I, I love it, right? It's like that, that feedback um, and that enthusiasm is, uh, is, is awesome and contagious.